So this week, we're talking about loving, including, and ministering those affected by disability with Liz Babbitt, Senior Ministry Relations Manager at Johnny and Friends, and her colleague, Hannah Balaka, Ministry Operations Manager at Johnny and Friends. I'm Charles Gallagher, President of Vision New England, and your host for The Church in Action. Liz, thanks for being with us, and Hannah, welcome. Thank you, Charles, for having us. And, and so maybe, Liz, could you start us out maybe for folks who maybe didn't hear last time or don't know you, a little bit of bio and background on you, and then Hannah will do the same thing. Okay. Well, Charles, I've uh, been involved with Johnny and Friends since 2009, so I am a senior manager in a lot of ways. <laughs> I came into Johnny and Friends from a pro-life uh, background and personal experience with a stillborn baby girl and got to know the vision and mission of Johnny and Friends and realized right away that God was calling me into this as a person who respects life and that every life has purpose. This has been a divine calling on my life and completely fulfilling everything that I think God would have me to do. So that's why I'm a part of Johnny and Friends. And Liz, can you talk a little bit? I'm, I'm always interested when I hear people hearing, talking about their calling. How did you experience that? Was it just things started to feel right and line up or was it more a compelling sense or how did you experience that calling? When God wants to get your attention, it's not hard to hear or see him. So experiencing a very difficult uh, situation with a pregnancy and realizing that there was no heartbeat at 21 weeks into the pregnancy uh, caused a lot of grief in my life at that time. And after some time of recovery, realized through the whole experience that there were people that might be encouraged by hearing how God really helped me in that experience and helped me recover. So I think that's how I would answer your question. I definitely knew that I knew that I knew that this was what I was supposed to do. And I was in that um, ministry for a long time. And then God moved me into Johnny and Friends after meeting Johnny herself and introducing her to my husband, Doug, and just realizing that there was a connection here that God was intentionally making in my life and that I better not um, ignore it. I needed to lean in and listen to what he would have me to do. And that's really what started to open the door of Johnny and Friends. And it was a part-time job to begin with. And then the hours started to increase. And pretty soon here I am full-time. And now I'm doing ministry relations for Johnny and Friends, uh, the whole East Coast, and helping to train ministry relations managers for Johnny and Friends. But more importantly, working right here in my own backyard as a hometown missionary helping the churches to welcome and include people with disability. And it's such a great ministry. Mm, it is. It is. Hannah, what about your, your story? Can you share a little bit about your background? I would love to. So I first got involved with Johnny and Friends. Well, I first heard about Johnny and Friends when I was actually 10 years old. Um, the disability ministry coordinator at my church was actually leading um, missions teams to go to family retreat uh, through Johnny and Friends Family Retreat. Um, which basically is like a one-week summer camp um, in a in a Christian community for families affected by disability, where families um, get a time of respite and fellowship with other families who understand um, 
the unique joys and challenges of living with a family member with a disability. And so I heard about this when I was 10 years old and I wanted so badly to volunteer and be one of these missions teams. Um, and you had to be 16 to volunteer. So I had the most impatient six year countdown until I could volunteer. I think my parents heard about it probably every day. Um, me just saying, I'm so excited to volunteer with Johnny and friends. I can't wait to go to family retreat. Um, and so the year I turned 16, I volunteered at family retreat and it was the most impactful life-changing experience. I had never before experienced um, an environment that so well reflected the love of Christ. And it wasn't specifically that the people were super different or super, super special, though everybody is, of course. It was just being a part of an environment that better uh, reflects the body of Christ. It's just a fuller picture of the body of Christ. And so I got to be part of a, of a community that wasn't loving people despite their disability or despite this, but just genuinely loving everybody um, and recognizing that, no, you're made uniquely and I love you for all that you are and I love you for you. And it was truly the most incredible thing I've ever experienced. I came back and I was like, everybody, absolutely everybody has to see this. They have to come here, they have to experience this. Um, and so I will spare you all the details, but basically because of that experience, I became a longtime volunteer with John and Friends. Um, I going to college, I chose my major because of Johnny and Friends, and I just knew that I wanted to work with people with disabilities in some aspects, and I didn't know what that would be. Um, and little did I know that I would end up actually working for Johnny and Friends. Um, and so I'm blessed to serve as the family retreat director in New England um, and the operations manager and, and be part of um, creating these events and kind of the things that we do in New England. And it's just been an absolute honor to be part of this ministry. Now, I want to unpack when you say family retreat. I do want to unpack that. But before we get to that, could could you maybe um, give us a sense of the scale of this issue? Because a lot of times we talked about before that people affected by disabilities are marginalized. So we don't necessarily even see them in our churches. We don't necessarily see them in our communities. And so how big a problem is this? How many people would we say are affected by disability? Well, what we know from the center, the CDC, Centers for Disease Control, is that roughly uh, one in every three households in New England and one in every four individuals in New England are living with a disability or affected by a disability. And that's based on the statistic that we hear from them annually. So it's a it's a very it's a much bigger audience or opportunity for us to love people that are unseen in our communities and i think that if you look around your own church for people that are listening and you ask yourself is are there one in four people in this church living with a disability how representative are we of our local community we might be surprised to see that we have barely skimmed the surface. And all you have to do is look around whenever you're anywhere, whether it's the mall or restaurant, you see people and you see families that have uh, children on the autism spectrum, for example, and you notice their behavior may be somewhat different, although it could, there are people that are, that are in our world that have a hidden disability as well, 
but you can see that there are challenges and there are difficulties that families are living with. And sometimes they're visible disabilities and sometimes they're not, but it's evident that everyone that God has created uh, is available as an opportunity for us to share the hope that he gives each one of us through the salvation of his son. And, and sometimes those, um, some of those disabilities will play out as what we might perceive as behavioral problems, but there's actually something more significant going on. And we need to be careful not to be judging in those situations. Absolutely. And I, and by finding out those individual kinds of uh, information about specific disabilities, you can learn a lot about how to be welcoming and, and have the hospitality that goes beyond just, you know, being, hi, how are you, friendly. There's an intentionality to it that will help us to avoid or even to reduce, you know, making sure people do know that they are welcome here. So. Yeah, because and Liz, you and I have talked about this before. Because I think sometimes we go into this with, and we make the enemy the 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 uh, the perfect, the good, the enemy of the good, right? Where it's like, okay, well, I'm in a small church, and we can't afford to have somebody who does autism and somebody who does other mental challenges. And I remember you saying, well, how about you just go ask one person what would be helpful to them, right? <laughs> you know, it's the truth is it, that you don't need expertise to welcome and include individuals and families with disability. You do need to be intentional about getting to know the people that are part of your church and new people that are interested in coming. And once you are relational in the way you approach ministry, then you realize you'll learn a lot as you go along and it will give you an opportunity to enrich your life and Un unbelievable ways in the families that that you will meet that sometimes have greater joy than we do. It's it's a hospitality type um, ministry, and it's not about siloing any one kind of individual or even thinking about this as a program. It's not a program. It's about a culture. It's a culture of welcoming. It's a culture of acceptance. It's a culture of really understanding how disability affects families, but then taking the steps to assess and get to know and build a relationship and be willing to learn from the families that come and yeah. feels like. You've hit on an important point that's coming up in a lot of conversations we're having about where we keep coming back to, it's not a program, it's not a program, it's not a program, and I want to help. And we've got to get out of that program mindset that's become so pervasive. And so is, is that a big, do you think that, is that a big um, barrier in disability ministry or is that just one of the barriers? Well, I would say it's one of the barriers, but I think that the opportunity to take a step back, um, ask some people in your church, ask someone with a disability what does it feel like, look like, seem like when I come through your doors? What are the other barriers that I might face just in terms of coming to church? And there may be some physical um, accommodations or supports that are needed. But beyond that, you know, beyond the physical access, which is a big deal in and of itself, and especially with these old New England churches. Uh, but beyond that, how are people, how, what, how do I feel? How am I received? What do, what do I see and hear when I come in to the church? 
from the pastor leadership team, from the way the music is organized. There's so many ways that we can assess our welcoming and our worship to draw people to the Lord mm -hmm. and the Holy Spirit can do his work. So there are many different barriers. And one of the things that we like to do as Johnny and friends is come alongside churches and say to them, we'd be very happy to pray with you, find out what your vision is, what does God have for you and in, in your community? And then what are, and let us help you identify maybe what some of those barriers are and make an action plan. It isn't about trying to do it all at once. It isn't about trying to do it overnight. Take it slow, one step at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Cause whenever we come alongside people who are in hurt or want or pain or need or whatever, right there's an obvious opportunity where we're evidencing the love of Jesus and that impacts people. And whether, right, the, whether there's an evangelistic outcome or not, that's what we're supposed to do, but there may well be evangelistic outcomes of it. Um, there's no rest. There's no downtime. Maybe Sunday morning, if you're at a church where we really can, can include and, and support people in that, but, but oftentimes there's nothing and there's nights and nights without rest. And so am I exaggerating or is that fair? No, that's that's definitely fair. I think we hear from so many families that they don't have that respite. They don't have anybody that if they have a child with disability. There's nobody that can come in and just watch their child. Maybe that's coming to retreat um, or maybe that's just going into a church where they're truly welcomed and embraced. It doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be, you know, complete child care and they get away. But just having that that moment of respite, that break from their everyday routine, their day to day. Um, and how challenging that can be. Um, and so family retreat, we want that to be um, a time where families can get that respite. And for, you know, we do that in multiple ways. Um, families get that time where uh, they're, you know, if they have a child with a disability or an adult child with a disability where their um, family member is being supported by a volunteer and has that support of somebody else so that they get that you know, actual respite. They don't have to care for them 24 seven um, and they get that time away and they know that their child is being cared for and loved. Um, but they also get that time to fellowship with other families or just have that family time also with support. They eat meals together as a family. They do some activities together as a family while also having support of volunteers so they can um, just enjoy that family time, but don't have all of the um, physical challenges of caring for somebody with a disability. You know, one of the things we've heard from moms is it's the first time they've had a hot meal in several months. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm not surprised. I'm only chuckling because I'm remembering the scene from a Christmas story uh, where I don't know if you guys watch that movie, but there's a line in the Christmas story where, this, where the, every time the mother tries to eat, somebody asks for something right back in those days where mom had to get it for you. And the narrator says, my mother, who hadn't had a hot meal in 11 years, right? And so you might be minimizing it at months, right? It may be years in a real situation like that. And yeah. so, and, and, and it might be, I remember things where some people would tell the stories in some of your videos, and I'm going to get the details wrong, where it's like, my day starts at 3.30 in the morning when I get up, because now I need to get dressed, because now I have to get this ready, and I have to prepare that, and I have to clean this. And now they, my son gets up, and now I have to do this. And I'm on all day long until they might go to sleep at, you know, 12, to 11 o'clock at night. And now I have to do these things and I get into bed at one in the morning. 
And that is just not a sustainable way to live. And the church needs to figure out how we help with that. Absolutely. I mean, the truth is, is that believers need one another and believers are, have a responsibility to one another at the same time. It's mostly about just a willingness to learn and a willingness to realize that an opportunity for a family with disability can change your entire church Mm. for the good. Because once we are seen as loving one another, well, that's the witness and the glory to God that's out there to the world. I, and I always go back to, I remember Johnny Erickson, the first time I saw her speak, it was in, in person uh, down at Dallas Seminary. It was so crowded. I watched through a crack in the door um, and she made the point that the church cannot be the church without the disabled. Because when Jesus talks about the weakest among us, right, that and, and honoring the weaker members and you know, treating the weaker members with honor, right, we can't do that if we are ignoring the disabled and those affected by disability. So now, Hannah, there's there's probably some people like you listening who I can't wait to do this and I'm waiting years till I can do this. My guess is there's more people who are like, that sounds scary to me, intimidating. I just, even if I wasn't caring for other people, going to some new camp I've never heard of, never been to, those kinds of things. And I'm not trained, I'm not equipped. Speak speak to those people if you would, please. Yeah, well, I mean, I also wasn't trained when I went. I think I may have been a little unique in that. Not, I think more people tell me that they were nervous to come than that they were excited and had mm-hmm. a six year countdown. Um, but <laughs> I also wasn't trained and I, I always tell volunteers or interested volunteers, I know you're nervous now. And I know this doesn't help you right now, but I'm telling you, after you do this, you're going to come back to me and you're going to say, I have no idea why I was nervous. That was the best thing I've ever done. And pretty much every volunteer I've ever told that to has been like, you're totally right. Um, And logistically speaking, you don't need any experience to come and volunteer and be a part of family retreat. There are plenty of professionals who uh, do this for a living that are there to help you. Um, There's plenty of support. We've never put anybody in a situation in which they feel uncomfortable. There's tons of people. Um, And so there's, there's tons of support. You don't need any training. You don't need any experience. And I also say to people, it's, you know, I understand how it can be nerve wracking if you're walking into a situation that you haven't done before. Maybe you haven't spent a lot of time with people with disabilities and you're not sure what that looks like, or you're not sure how to get to know somebody. Um, but I love telling volunteers, it might look a little different, but you're really just getting to be friends with somebody. And having been a part of family retreat and volunteering with Johnny and friends has just enriched my life because now, you know, going into it, I probably would have told you before the first time I volunteered, I'm not really sure how to have a conversation with somebody who uh, can't speak or I'm not sure how to interact with somebody who has autism. Um, but after family retreat, I realized, oh, okay, it's it's not that hard. I might have to do it a little differently, or I might there might be a little trial and error in figuring out how this person likes to be interacted with, but it's so enriching. I have been, I have made friends with so many people that beforehand maybe I wouldn't have. And yeah. just being able to honestly just be friends with them and just celebrate their unique gifts and talents, it's amazing to just have, um, to just see how the Lord works through every person. I mean, I have friends who just have 
this incredible power of just connecting with people, even without speaking. Uh, there was one young woman named Phoebe who was just the most powerful connector. And she doesn't speak, but she just looks right at you and you can tell she's connecting like nobody else. And it's just amazing to see. And it's so enriching um, to get to know people that might be a little bit outside of who you're normally friends with. And I love telling people that you might be nervous, but I promise you're going to come out of this and you're going to be so excited and you're going to want everybody else to do this as well. <laughs> and it's a great opportunity for churches as well to come as a team and serve uh, families because not only are you gaining experience, but you're gaining the training and the expertise and, and just becoming more confident in going home and making sure that you're looking around your community and in your own church differently. And Family Retreat provides so many opportunities for churches to come. There are things they could be even doing now in helping us with preparation. Hannah and I met this morning as we're starting to kick off a new year and a new retreat season. And what are some things that churches can do? And so we have good ideas for people to come and, you know, share what they can do. You know, it's time, talent, and treasure for all of us as believers to look into where God would have us to serve. So, you know, it's it's a great, there are lots of different ways people can be involved with it. And you guys are too nice, but I'm good at being the scold. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna do that for a second because if you are feeling anxious or fear about doing something like this, I'm gonna say to you what somebody said to me in the last couple of years about something else. Uh, and they said, Charles, that fear does not come from God. Mm. And I forget who even said it to me, but it stuck with me. And I think so if we're feeling fear and anxiety, I would say that does not come from God. Right. And so think about where that's coming from. And so just a couple minutes left. And so um, if I'm interested in this and I want to learn more, where what can I do to learn more? And if I'm like, no, I, I want to sign up. Where do I go to do that? When do I do that? How do I do it? So if you visit the uh, Johnny and Friends New England website. So you can either go to johnnyandfriends.org and look through our locations and click New England or you can go to johnnyandfriends.org slash new hyphen England, um, take you right to our webpage. Um, and on there, you'll see our events. You can see each of our three weeks of family retreat this summer um, and you can visit there. And there's some more information about retreats on those pages. There's also the link right there to apply if you're just ready and you just wanna go and apply right now. Um, if you have more questions and want to talk to one of us, we would love to talk with you. Um, our contact info is also on that website. You can call our office at 978-620-0606 or me at 0604 instead. <laughs> and I would love to talk to you more about Family Retreat if you have questions, want to know more about what everything looks like. Um, but that's how you can get more involved with Family Retreat things. And, and my recollection is there is a cost to do it. There is a cost, and that cost covers meals and lodging and programmed activities. Um, and so for volunteers, the cost is $550. But if you apply before March 1st, on or before March 1st, the cost is $525. So if you're interested, put your application in now. No payment is due at the time of application. And there's an opportunity for uh, volunteers to fundraise for that cost. There'll be a way that people can donate directly to that. So if that's something you want to share with friends and family to say, I'm, I'm doing this missions uh, trip and I would love for you to sponsor me in that, 
you're able to do that as well. Um, and that's kind of built into our application system. Uh, but if you have more questions about that, we'd love to talk with you about it. And I think for families, if you're listening and you're a family that you would like to experience this or, or learn more about it, there is a registration fee, but there's also scholarship monies available based on uh, your need. And so we love to welcome new families to family retreat. And for churches, if you know someone in your church that you think would benefit from a family retreat experience, you know, keep us in mind. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. And if families have questions, would also love to talk with you all about the family experience at Family Retreat as well. And I, I think that's a great point is, A, there, there, there are scholarships available, mm -hmm. but B, this is a great, you know, we fundraise for short-term mission trips all the time in churches, right? So this is a great way to do that. And it's a great way to give other people the opportunity to participate in it with you. And, uh, and so even if you can write a check, you might want to actually go fundraise on it to engage more people in it. Mm -hmm. So that's great. So thank Liz, Hannah, thank you so much um, for your ministry and for taking time to talk to us about it today. And so, uh, so again, it's johnnyandfriends.org select new England, or it's johnnyandfriends.org slash new hyphen England uh, to get more information on it. Or as Hannah said, you can call the office. And so thank you both again. Appreciate you both. Thank you. We're just happy vision. New England has this, uh, audience, this audience of people with needs on your radar. And thank you for inviting us. Thanks again. And thank you to Jess Mangano, our producer, and thanks to our listeners. This program is created by Vision New England, which accelerates evangelism by helping the church make disciples, do justice, and foster unity so people want to know about Jesus. And you can find more resources at visionnewengland.org. Join us next Sunday at 2 p.m. on Life Changing Radio. God bless you and thanks for listening.